Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Athletic Hockey Show Prospect Series. Hey everybody, Max Boltman here alongside Corey Prodman for another episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series. This is episode two, breaking down Corey's pipeline rankings this week. We're counting down from 32, and today we've got teams ranked number 17 to 24. And Corey, that starts at number 24 with the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, uh, Vancouver's system uh, goes down significantly this season from last um, in most part due to the graduation of Quinn Hughes. Uh, that was, you know, a very foreseeable fall given how important a player Hughes is to the Canucks. And uh, and the organization right now is an interesting place. Uh, you know, I, their farm system has some good players uh, led by the recent high pick, Tom Willander. Uh, it's not an, it's, you know, there's some other good players in this system. It's not an incredibly deep farm system. Uh, and so it's interesting to see what direction this organization goes in. I, I think the Canucks are in a slightly better position than maybe some out there would, would describe them. And I think their roster is good. I think if Thatcher Demko bounces back and even has a, an average season, never mind one for his standards, uh, I think they can actually be in a playoff race next season. Uh, but it's it's tough to it's tough to say with this group of young players and the current NHL roster if this is going to be a contending group of talent going forward. And I think you can look at when we when we get into this list here, a couple of the first round picks, the top half of the first round picks, but not the premium premium picks, right? Ever since they got Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes, they have been picking more in the ten to twenty range, and you, you kind of would have liked to see by now Vasily Podkolzin take that next step. Still a lot of time for Jonathan Lekaramaki to do it, but you've got him ranked here as more of a middle of the lineup guy rather than another one of those top lineup guys to help those two stars. Yeah, Pacolza's development hasn't gone ideally. Uh, you know, it went down in the American League in the middle of the season, and he was good down there, but I wouldn't even say he wasn't great in the American League either. So it's yeah, he's a good player. I still think you know he still think he has some offensive skills uh, and, and scoring ability to provide to go at the high compete level. Um, but the offense as a pro has not been uh, outstanding. His skating is just okay. Uh, so you know it, he hasn't definitely looked like a top ten pick in his brief time in the NHL. 
That being said, in the last calendar year, while they, while you do lose Quinn Hughes and that hurts you, they, they have picked up their two top prospects here. They're two top young players in your system. Atu Ratu via the trade with the New York Islanders. That's the Bo Horvat deal. And their first round pick this year, Tom Willander. Those are at the center and a right shot D. That's as premium as it gets positionally. And it's their two top prospects. That is probably the, the encouraging side of this for Vancouver. Yeah, and it's why I think they do have some players here, both on that roster and in the system, to potentially be a playoff team or a consistent playoff contender. I mean, you look on this roster, I think Ratu can really slot in nicely as a third-line center, presuming Pedersen and, and, and Miller are, are your top two-line centers. Then you add Willander into that core with Quinn Hughes. They need some more on defense going forward. But, you know, Kuzmenko is a really nice player. Mikheyev is a really nice player. We'll see what happens with Bester in the future. It's probably seems like he's going to move on. But, but they have some good players players on this team and even uh i think maybe the underrated storyline was the player r2 art i'm gonna may not pronounce his name correctly it's i think it's artur silovs uh he was the mvp of the world championships is a very young goaltender there for latvia a big reason for why latvia went on you know maybe the unexpected run they did at the world championships so there are players here not a ton but i this the team's like I said, I, I don't know if, like I said, I don't know if they can take this group that they have currently and turn it into a Stanley Cup contender, but I think this could potentially be a solid group of players. One guy I wanted to ask you about is Niels Holglander. And I know at, at various times he's a player, Canucks fans and really fans around the league have been pretty excited about. He got to the league unusually fast for a second round pick, um, but you've got him down in that just kind of projected to play NHL games tier, which of course he's already played, you know, almost 150 NHL games. Where are you at on, on Hoaglander? Yeah, it's uh, kind of a similar discussion as we had with, with Nick Robertson, maybe without the injury factor. Uh, but you have this small, mediocre skating winger who got you really excited a few years ago by his outstanding offensive skills to go with a really high motor and some physicality in his game too. And then he comes to the NHL, he said, translates quickly right away, and then... It, it starts, you start to have some questions as time goes on of can he keep up with the pace? Is the offense that he's going to provide going to be significant enough? Because when you're that size and you're not an elite skater, you have to provide a lot of offense to justify your spot in the top nine in an NHL team. You could play top nine, maybe on a not great team, but when you are adding guys like Kuzmenko, you are adding guys like Mikheyev into your top nine, then you have to start justifying your spot there with some more offense. And I'm not sure. And Hoglander, you know, has shown offense in the American League. He's shown offense in Sweden. I think he has it, but I, I have some questions right now on whether the pure hockey sense is going to be good enough, uh, to be a, long-time NHL player given uh, the other concerns in his game. All right, on to number 23, that's the Florida Panthers. And, and we talked in, in our first episode, Corey, about some of these teams that are really being carried by one or two prospects at the very top. And certainly at, at the back end of this, when you're getting to the contending teams, that's the case. Florida is a, a really good example of this at the very top with Anton Lindell uh, and Spencer Knight. There's more here, obviously. Mackie Samuskevich, first-round pick, good prospect. But Lindell, I think you've got him in the bubble of all-star and top-of-the-lineup player here. That's a prospect that will boost you from maybe the late 20s into here the low 20s. Yeah, and I feel like just probably because of the organization he plays for, where which don't, doesn't get a ton of fanfare, I feel like there's probably not enough love being given to how good Lundell has been so far early in his NHL career. I mean, you look at the significant role he played on a team that, that went to the Stanley Cup final – 
and the amount of offense he's generated over the last two years without getting the, the prime power play minutes. I think he got power play this past season, but it was more second power play. And you just you watch him time and time again, and it's not the flashiest player in the world, but he definitely has skill. He's very intelligent. He's very competitive. Uh, he seems to make a difference whenever he's on the ice, despite not having elite skill or elite speed. Um, and this is just a guy who looks like he's on the trajectory to become a very important player for a long time. A guy who I think could be a first line center, frankly, uh, a projected first line center, maybe not right now, but one in a year or two on quite a few NHL teams. But on the same NHL organization that has Alexander Barkov, I think this is going to be an outstanding second line center for a very long time. Only 21 years old. My, my one question for you is about the, the kind of offensive production from Lindell. And obviously he's not in a role where they need him to, to be a huge scorer for them, but he's got one more year of eligibility on this list. What does he need to do point wise, I guess this year to, to realistically stay in this bubble all-star kind of tier that you have? Him in? Well, again, I think that's going to be the same situation next season. They still have Carver Hagee and Barkov and Kachuk. He's, it's going to be tough to get the, the real offensive minutes, but I think if he's at, you know, 50 to you know, something points while playing penalty kill and the team's having a lot of success around him. I think that's all you really want to see. You know, I kind of look at him and I think of how Ryan O'Reilly looked when he was entering the league. Also not an elite skater, but had all those dimensions I talked about before. I think that's the kind of player you can kind of hope Lindell becomes. A lot of obviously external considerations around Spencer Knight here, but when he has been in, the promise that he has shown, I, I think, does warrant where you have him, the, the quality starting goaltender right there in that category with, with the Yaroslav Askarovs of the world. Right. And yeah, obviously he went into uh, the player assistance program. Yep. Yes, yeah, we say it's right. And he's obviously he did go into the player's assistance program during the middle of the season. So it's kind of a delicate subject when you're talking about player evaluation in this context. Uh, but he did show up to the development camp in the summer for the Florida Panthers and indications from the team, um, including the, from their general manager, uh, Zito seems to indicate he will be there at camp. So it seems to indicate that he's on the path to coming out of the program, which is, which is great to hear. Uh, and like I said, it made it difficult to assess him as a player, but obviously I've watched this player for many years. I have an idea of what he is. I think. He has the ability to be a legit number one goaltender in the NHL. And, you know, obviously we'll see how, you know, Sergei Bobrovsky holds up as he enters the latter parts of his career here. Uh, but I think Knight has the chance to be a very good goalie for a long time. And, you know, probably, you know, when we think about the three premium goalies on the NHL, I think of Jesper Wallstedt, who is, you know, the super intelligent, methodical, efficient goalie. You have Yaroslav Askarov in Nashville, who is the elite athlete um, who can be a little over the place at times. And I think Spencer Knight's kind of like the in-between those two molds kind of player. He just does a lot really well. And I think he will have a, a very long and productive NHL career. You got 13 prospects ready for the Panthers. After those two, the bulk of them are in your kind of last tier, the has a chance tier. We mentioned Mackie Samuskevich. He's in your, in your kind of middle tier, the, the projected NHL player. Tell me about Ludwig Janssen, who, you know, Samuskevich obviously has the pedigree as a first rounder. Ludwig Janssen was more of a mid round pick uh, a year ago, and, and he's up there for you ahead of Samuskevich now. Yeah, he was one of the best defensemen at the World Juniors. I, I had watched him a year ago. I had some questions on whether the, the skill set would project well into the pros. And, and watching him at the World Juniors specifically, you know, as you saw the skating and the hockey sense and uh, really stand out there. And I, yeah, there's he's still not a for sure thing. Just an average size D-man, not a great defender. But I think there is some significant offensive tools there. 
that gives them a real chance to play games and they and they need uh, some sort of defense prospect coming that will help them because they don't have much depth there uh, currently. Moving on to number 22, that's the Washington Capitals, uh, a team that certainly had, had been in the position of some of our uh, teams we discussed last episode of just not really making that many first-round picks for a while. But they have the last two years, and they have gotten two premium prospects, I, I, I think you would agree, uh, in Ivan Miroshenko in 2022 and, and now Ryan Leonard this year. Yeah, and Miroshenko is a tough evaluation, just, you know, like Knight, but for different reasons in, in that, you know, he was you know, had the cancer diagnosis th- this time last year. Comes back midway through the season and throughout the season, he just played just okay, particularly towards the end of the year. His play really faded off and he didn't have a great playoff there uh, in the, in the Russian junior league. But it, it's hard to evaluate him given what he's kind of had to go through, you know, you know, coming, coming back, you know, having to go through rounds of chemotherapy. And so I still, I, I think about this player, just the toolkit in general. And I think that he will likely you know, get back to the form he was at before, although there is no guarantees. And the form he was at before was this big, powerful winger who skated well, who handled the puck well, who had an elite shot and competed well. And I think that is a player to get excited about. That being said, now that he is signed with Washington, probably going to play in the American League next year, he will have to show that more consistently. Vincent Iorio is a defender who I think uh, has really risen this list for you. And he's a player who he's got kind of that, that prototypical size you want to see. What makes him an exciting prospect for you? Yeah, he was one of the younger defensemen in the American League last year. He played a rather significant role on a team that did win the Calder Cup. Uh, big defenseman, skates well, good first pass. Uh, I don't think you know the offense in his game will ever truly excite you, but I think it can be good enough given just how you know how good a defender he is. And I th- I just think there's a lot of tools there that suggest that he can be a a, a solid NHL player. You know, like I think it is. I think the offense will be good in the NHL. I don't think he may not be a true power play type, but I think he can make a first pass. He can make plays. Uh, he has blue line poise. And when you combine that with the size and the mobility, uh, I think that makes for a rather strong defense prospect. And a guy who, whenever I've watched him over the last two years, uh, I've seen a guy with a lot of NHL promise. And then Connor McMichael, I think at one point a couple of years ago was was much higher on this list for you. We've gotten to see him a little bit now as a, as a pro. Is is it the skating that's kind of brought him a little bit back to earth in these rankings? Yeah, for him and Hendrix Lapierre, it's the skating. It's the fact that you know that it's more they're more one way you know forwards because because that size skating combo. I do think Mike Michael competes a little bit better, and it's why I think he has a better chance to be an NHL player because of that compete level. Uh, but that is the concern, and it's you know it's. It's, you know, one of the interesting parts about, you know, prospect projection is when you watch a guy in junior and he has this amazing, these amazing years in junior. McMichael was an outstanding OHL player. And then he goes to the two world juniors, plays well at both of those world juniors. You can get really excited about this player. Then, But there was always the question of, well, how will it translate? How will it translate? And then you see initially it, it went well, actually. His first year in the American League, he was quite good. And then afterwards, not quite as good. And you know, we talked about with Niels Holglander, you know, that when you aren't that big, and you're not that fast, uh, you've really got to show a lot of offense. And McMichael, I think, is kind of on that bubble of it. He kind of has, but he also at times kind of hasn't. And I think next year is kind of a make or break year for him with Washington. And you could probably put uh, Andrew Cristal in the same kind of category as those guys with, with those same questions. Probably even more to a significant degree, which is why he went in the right. second round, not in the first round. Yeah. Uh, on, on defense, a couple of guys I wanted to highlight. Cam Allen and 
Ryan Chesley are both guys who kind of went into their respective draft seasons with a ton of buzz around them. I wonder, do you feel like, I know obviously the, the year was what it was for Cam Allen. Uh, Chesley, I thought just looked pretty good at, at the USA development camp. Are both of these guys, is the upside still there for them to be the kind of, you know, at least solid second pair guys who I think there was certainly hope they would be going into their draft years? I'm not there on second pair for either of them just because there are things missing in their games that would concern me. Both are not that big. Uh, both don't have that much offense in their game, particularly Chesley. I think he had, what, like two points at Minnesota yeah. last year, three points it was. it's you know. So, but I think they both compete really hard and they skate well. And I think there's paths there for them to be third-pair defensemen. Obviously, I might be wrong and if I, if you're, they could maybe miss up there and, and become second-pair guys. But for now, I think they if they hit, they're probably more third-pair defensemen. All right, moving on up to number 21. Uh, that's the Calgary Flames, Corey. Uh, they, they come away with this draft with Samuel Hanzik. A couple years ago, they, they take Matt Coronado. Uh, obviously, we know Dustin Wolf is kind of their, their hope in goal. But I think you're still kind of hoping for a little more of that premium position, goaltender premium position for sure. But uh, we're talking about some, some wingers here and then a, a goalie who you, you still got to wonder until you really see it in the NHL. And there's always a chance Hans could be a center, right? I think there's yep. there's always was when in the in the lead up to the draft there was that discussion of maybe he could play the middle. I know when you talked and he said he prefers the wing, but uh, there's always a chance they could you know force him into the middle there. Uh, Calgary is in a really interesting position as an organization because I think they have a good team. I think they obviously they underperformed last season, but I think that roster as a whole obviously they had they they lost some guys in the off season, but I I thought. It's, it was a very impressive roster, and they just didn't get the goaltending. Uh, but now you have some and some more key pending free agents, uh, and it's a they have some nice young players. You know, Coronado, Pelche, Zeri, Wolf may play game for them this season. Uh, but it's not an elite farm system, so I, I don't know what or what direction this organization goes in right now because it felt it feels like last year and potentially this year are kind of the window. No. Well, you start losing some of the names that they could lose. Yeah, it, it's a huge setback at that point. Um, I, I I think I'm sure they'd still probably love to keep a couple of these guys if they can, but it, it isn't trending favorably in that way. They, they would need probably something to, to shift here in order to keep a Lindholm, and, and we'll see what happens with Michael Backlund and uh, a couple of these guys on defense. So it is a, it's a sticky situation that Craig Conroy walks into as a first-year GM. Uh, Dustin Wolf is an interesting one too because I feel like – at least, and I think this applies to Devin Levi too. At least this, it's been interesting kind of following the public discourse on both of these players. And then when I talk to people in the NHL about both of these players, I feel like the hype may have already kind of got a little bit out of control on both of them too, where it's kind of like the, these are hits. You know, these are the guys that have made it. They're premium young goalies. Uh, but there's a reason why both of them went so late in the draft too. I think if you read it, that draft, Wolf and Levi both go much higher, especially – I think because they've proven it now at higher levels. I mean, Wolf's been a two, you know, out, absolutely outstanding in the American League against pros, and then Levi, obviously, fantastic in college, and then actually, you know, held his own in the NHL last season. But uh, I think there are. I've definitely talked to several NHL scouts who are still skeptical about Wolf, and because of the size and because he's a good athlete, but it's not exceptional, like you say, Saros type athleticism at that size. So you know, I, if he hits, it changes the trajectory of the organization a little bit if you get like a legit number one starting goalie but he's which, which is why i have him projected as now it's more like a tandem type goalie then i'm not sure that answer is 
is quite there in net. And then you have to hope Markstrom really bounces back. One of the players who I think got into his draft with maybe some first round hope even would have been Jeremy Poirier. Uh, he ended up going in the third round a couple of years back to the Flames. Where is he at in his developmental arc? What do the Flames have in him? It wasn't going so well, I thought, for him initially in junior. And then really the last like year or two, it's really turned around for him. He was really good in the American League this year. One of the better rookie defensemen in general in the American League last season. Uh, showing a lot of offense. You know, he's a good skater. Uh, the, the defense has always been a question with him. It's still not his asset. He's an offense first defenseman. Uh, but I think this is a guy who is trending in a positive direction. And I think has a real chance to, to play in the NHL. All right, let's take a quick break right there, uh, and we're going to come right back, and we're going to get to the top half of these eight. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. All right, we are back, Corey, uh, breaking down your pipeline rankings. We are into the top 20 now, and that brings us to the Los Angeles Kings. At one point, this was like the premier young system, it seemed like, in the NHL. And slowly some of those guys have graduated, but also some of those guys have maybe fallen a little bit back to the pack from what they thought they might, what we thought they might be the last two or three years. Right, and that's always part of having a ton of draft picks, and that's why you get a ton of draft picks. Is some of them are going to maybe be par value, some of them are going to exceed your value, say like Arthur Kaliev, and then you have some others like say Alex Turcott, which may not deliver on the value that you hope for when you pick them at that slot. Yep, absolutely. You still have at the very top of uh, Quinton Byfield, and that is a talent that, while maybe not tracking toward the super superstar that I certainly had hopes he could be in his draft year still looks like a, and you have him as a top of the lineup player. Right. And I kind of expect he will open the season potentially on that top line wing as he was with Anze Kopitar at the end of last season. He may not, they might try something different this season, but he, I thought towards the second half of last year when he was up with the Kings full time, he looked like a very impressive player. I think you do wonder whether the offense is ever going to be truly outstanding with him. It's just if it's the skill plus brain combo is it's it's pretty good, but I wouldn't call it you know, you know something that's any elite traits. But when you combine the fact that he's so big and skates as well as he does, and he I think he works hard. Uh, I think this is a guy who will have a very long and productive NHL career, whether that's center or the wing. We'll see. Obviously, now they have some real legit center depth in LA. So right now, it seems like he's tracking to staying on the wing for the foreseeable future. Brent Clark's a guy we've discussed a ton on this podcast. And I think ultimately, since his drafter, he has answered some of the questions. But there are still ultimately questions about what his defensive upside is going to be, what, what's realistic with kind of the skating. Um, but still a, a very good prospect here. And you've got him on the bubble between top and middle lineup player. That's a top 4D. Yeah, and I think he will be a top 4D. I think he's, you know, it looks like he's tracking to starting on the Kings Next season, I expect he will play all season in the NHL. Uh, and, and I had some questions on him, you know, over, over the years, but it was hard to watch him in the OHL in the second half and not feel excited about this player. I mean, he was just dominant in the OHL in the second half. I, I, he would, he would take over games routinely with his, with his skill and playmaking. Um, 
and and the fact that he you know his skating is ugly there's no there's no way around it it's a real knock kneed skating stride but what i think you like about him is he's competitive there's some physicality in his game uh he's got good size uh so i think you can see a path for him to be just okay enough defensively in the nhl to go with the outstanding offense he does provide to where he can be a very nice top four defenseman who can help run a power play maybe even a first power play in the nhl some of the other defensemen in the system here, Jordan Spence, Tobias Bjornfoot, they, they pick uh, Jacob Dvorak this year, Kirill Kursanov. What is kind of the mostly depth here for you, or is there anyone who you think can break through and, and play a, a real meaningful role? I, I think Spence is intriguing. I, I do always wonder with those small defensemen, things need to align for them pretty perfectly with the depth chart for them to actually play in the NHL full time. Because Spence is 5'10 and on elite skater, his calling card is his offense, which he has shown a ton of in the American League. Uh, I think he's a very nice player. The question then becomes on a team that has Brian Clark and on a team that has Drew Doughty, does he fit in there? And I, I'm not saying, especially since they're both those two are right shots as well. So that's the question. But I think Jordan Spence, if he's not a king, I think he could be very good trade bait uh, to use. But Guys like, you know, like Dvorak, particularly a guy like Bjornfit, who's closer, you know, kind of fits the more traditional mold, really good skater, good enough hockey sense, two-way guy, where he can kind of fit in on a third pair. And then real quick, Corey, just a thought on, on Alex Turcotte. I know you still got him in kind of that has a chance tier. It, it, is, is hope lost here? I mean, I, obviously still time for him to carve out an NHL career, but it doesn't seem like a ton of optimism for, for him being able to reclaim um, the potential we, we thought he had at one point. Yeah, obviously I'm a little down on this player right now. Maybe more than a little down, and that's it might be a, a slight understatement. It's 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 been tough to watch him in the American League, and obviously, and he looks like a good American League player right now. But in terms of projecting to the next level, well, I think we really take a step step back and think about what he is. He's uh, he's got good skill. He has good hockey sense. Uh, he skates well. He competes well. So there's there are positives. There's a reason why he went fifth overall. But he's a five eleven forward. Doesn't really score goals ever. Uh, the offense is not outstanding. And when you really think about what that profile is, you could think, I- I've seen that player a lot. I've seen that player when I go to a lot of American League games. or And you, you see a lot of those players in preseason that don't actually make it. And I just think the player type is lacking some elite traits to carve out a legitimate NHL role. When he was a prospect, I thought the skating and the compete were elite traits, uh, but I have not seen that as a pro. All right, on to number 19. That's the Winnipeg Jets. And th- this is a system, core that I was surprised to not see higher with some of the players they picked in recent drafts. Cole Perfetti, Colby Barlow this year, Rucker McGrory, I think looks like a really nice prospect. Uh, Chaz Lucius, of course, and, and Brad Lambert. Is it just the lack of a kind of a sure thing, high-end player that's holding them back? I, that would be my assessment. Yeah, they have some really nice players, particularly a forward, not really a ton of defense, to be quite honest, but they have some really nice forward prospects. They don't have the one guy who's really broken through, become that true premium player. Obviously, Cole Perfetti is the one we think of the most that has the best chance to do that. But he's And when he's been healthy in the NHL, I think he's looked quite good and has shown he has the promise to be that kind of player, but that he actually has been injured quite a bit since he's turned pro. And, and that is a concern, especially when you are not that – when you have that kind of – that that a frame he has and you're not a great skater, uh, it is a little concerning. Chaz Lucius has a chance to be that. I mean, he looked outstanding when he was in the WHL, for example, 
But as it has been with Lucius for quite a few years, he was after he looked dominant for a couple of games, he gets injured and then misses the rest of the season. Uh, so I'm, we're just kind of looking here for that one player that can really break through. Brad Lambert didn't look great in the first half of the year in the American League after not a great draft year, but then looks great in the second half in the WHL. Big part of why Seattle wins the WHL title. Which Brad Lambert will we see next year in the American League? We'll see. Yeah, Again, these are all really nice players. It's a perfectly fine farm system. But yeah, there's as of now, I don't see that one true premium name or enough, you know, outstanding depth to say they, they are an above average pipeline. You talked about Brad Lambert, obviously his skating, a, a huge asset, maybe his best asset as a player. Um, but I, one thing that stood out to me just looking at the top of this list is how many of these guys you have rated on, on Winnipeg's pool with below average skating. Perfetti, uh, McGrory, Lucius is in that tier. Even you get kind of one tier down from some of the guys we're talking about in Hanel and, and Chibrikov are guys who you have that question on. Do you make anything of that when a team has this many guys who, who kind of have below average skating by your grading system? Well, obviously Barlow, who they just drafted recently, does not have those questions. So yep. uh, maybe they were, you know, trying to get a different kind of element. I would be really interested to see it when and if they do try and get some good young, more good young defensemen into the system. Because I feel like this is going to be a lot of forwards, particularly wings, all coming up at the same time. There are guys in this organization like Lambert, like Lucius, like Perfetti, who have played center before. I don't know if any of those three you could confidently say projected NHL centers yeah. that maybe Lucius has the best chance of the, of the three. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how these guys all kind of come together. And, and you know, at Winnipeg, kind of like Calgary, you have this organization where you have guys kind of hinting that they might leave. So I don't know what the direction this organization really is going forward. Well, frankly, I have a ton of sympathy for Winnipeg in that way because you talk about that. And I could understand why if I had been the Winnipeg Jets GM for the last three years – I wouldn't have been so worried about centers because I had Mark Shifley and Pierre-Luc Dubois in my organization, and I would have felt pretty set down the middle. I could just worry about surrounding them, and now it seems entirely possible Dubois has already gone. It seems entirely possible Shifley will be gone within the next year or two. So uh, it is a tough spot for them to be in, but I, I like. I think this is a solid group. It's just, like you said at the beginning, missing that kind of top-end guy, especially at center and deep. All right, uh, moving on with this list, we're, we're going to number 18, Corey, and that is the St. Louis Blues. This is a team that obviously injects a ton into their system over the last year. I think it's five of their top six prospects you have here have been added in the last uh, 14 months or so between uh, the three first rounders this year, uh, Dalbor Dvorsky, Otto Stenberg, Theo Lindstein. They obviously trade for Zach Dean, uh, and they, they get Jimmy Snugger in last year's draft. This system has has really shot up over the last year plus. Yeah, and that's you know how, what you expect when you do rebuild. You try to add a lot of first round picks. You, you trade for a former first round pick. You make the efforts you, you can to try and bring in premium young talent to your organization. And I I like the direction they're going in. I do, and you know obviously Dalbor Dvorsky is great young player. Jimmy Snugger is great young player. Uh, it, you know they are building in the right direction. To go, you know, build this group around Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo and Colton Pareko, uh, but I still think there's quite a lot more work to do here. I mean, they they have some really good pieces to really get back to the winning ways in St. Louis. I still think there's quite a few more years left of trying to build up assets, particularly on defense. I know they picked the Olympian in the first round, but I still think they need a lot more there at that position. Yeah, uh, Dvorsky obviously 
I think the headline prospect here, he and Snuggard, we could probably talk about it in tandem here. What do the Blues have in these two guys? What is their potential to impact the team two, three years from now? Dvorsky, I think, can be a legit top of the lineup player. Uh, that being said, on the same organization that has Robert Thomas, I can see him being more as the two to Thomas as one. Uh, and those could be two centers who I think you can really build around and try to win with. And Snuggerud, I think, would be a really nice top six winger in an NHL organization, a guy who can play significant all-around minutes and, and help power play. What I wonder, Corey, when I look at this system, it, it has infused a bunch. This is another team I think you could kind of question what state they're at as an organization because they do still have a couple of a few really win now players at the NHL level. They got an old veteran defense score. If you're Doug Armstrong and if you're the St. Louis Blues, are you kind of leaning into this and, and trying to kind of, you know, capital R rebuild? Or is there any hope that this could kind of be done on the fly and, and this group of talent could be the headliners that, that spark your next wave? I have some skepticism they can really turn it around that quickly, and particularly because of that blue line. Like there just isn't enough back there, I think, to to be a, a winning team, both what they have currently and what they have coming up. So I do think there is probably still quite a few years left of finishing at the bottom of the standings and and trying to get young players before they can get back to being a winning team. Uh, neighbors, Dean, these are guys I think we could see sooner rather than later. What is your kind of hope for for them and, and how they could impact the Blues? I think those are both high compete types, really high compete types actually, who have good enough offense. Neighbors a little bit more than Dean, Dean a little bit faster than Neighbors, but I don't think either of them are probably going to be more than maybe like middle six wings. Yeah. All right, wrapping up the back half of this top 32, Corey, is the Dallas Stars. Another team that I think you could argue to be a little higher, but I guess maybe that's hinting that we're starting to get into some pretty exciting systems here. Uh, Wyatt Johnson at the top was one of the, the breakout stories of the NHL last season, and he does give Dallas kind of that headline prospect that I think you look for. I should have cut myself before. I think Dean possibly could be a center too, maybe more of a fourth-line center. But yeah, no, okay. Wyatt Johnston is... Uh, you know, one of the uh, premium young players in the NHL right now, a uh, guy who looks like he has potential to be a star uh, and a guy with just outstanding skill, outstanding hockey sense. He competes really hard. Um, you know, just it was became a really important part of a good NHL team at a very young age after being the best player in the OHL the prior year. The only thing about him you can really criticize is his, is his feet aren't really that strong, uh, not the fastest player in the world. Uh, but this looks like a guy who's going to have a very long and productive NHL career and can be that kind of massive value pick you really hope for in the late first as a guy who, you know, a couple of years later, looks like he would likely go in the top 10, maybe even higher in that draft. Speaking of, of massive value picks, I, I think since Logan Stankovan was drafted, I think there was the hope that he could turn into something like that. And you see a lot of these tools, it's the skating, it's the shot, it's the compete. Do you, I mean, obviously there's always going to be at his size, he's a, he's a smaller guy, I believe he's 5'8". There's going to be a little bit of wait and see, but what's your hope level, your optimism level on Logan Stankovic at this point? I think that's a good assessment of the situation that I have him rated very, very highly. Uh, high enough to the point that I know within the league uh, when uh, this list comes out, I'm going to get some pushback with where I have him rated. Uh, because, as you mentioned, even though he does have all those great tools and the fantastic motor and off-the-charge productions from this time in junior, that frame is very, very concerning when projecting him to the NHL. So there are significant risk factors. But I think he has what you ask for in those small players to overcome that size. 
His skating is excellent. His compete is excellent. His skill is excellent. And he's done but nothing but produce and be an important player wherever he goes. So I, I think he has the traits to become a top six forward in the NHL despite his frame. And I think he might even play games with Dallas as soon as his up- upcoming season. On defense, Thomas Harley and Leon Bischel are, are two guys who I think, man, when you're the Dallas Stars and you have two guys with this kind of size, this this kind of complementary games that these two can have, that's a really helpful thing. When you talk about potentially getting these guys on ELCs for a couple of years as, as this is a contending team now, and it can help them sustain being one for the next few years. Yeah, you saw Harley come in during the playoffs there and start playing a minutes for them. I think he'll play even more minutes for them in this upcoming season. Bischel's probably a year or two away, but I, when you think of, you know, Haskinen being this really great all-around player you know, and and Harley probably a little bit you know, more offensively tilted, and then you have Bischel being this big, mean, highly mobile defenseman, I think this is a blue line you can be excited about. In general, I really like the direction Dallas is going. I know they're right in the middle of the pack, you know, that's just part of certain guys get graduate and whatnot. But I think when you think about these four players, it's not a deep system, but these four players – and you combine the fact that they have a young Rupe Hintz, they have a young Jason Robertson, they have a young Miro Heiskanen, they have a young Jake Ottinger. You know, I think this is a group that could contend together. One more thought on one more guy, Maverick Bork, uh, first round pick a couple years back. Uh, I think you still have him, though, projected, Corey, as a guy who, who can contribute to this team potentially in fairly short term. Yeah, maybe this year, maybe the year after. I mean, he's t- he struggled initially in the American League, then he was better in the second half. The skating at that size is a concern, but he's extremely intelligent and skilled and competes well enough to where I think he's got a chance to be a middle a middle six forward. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series. We will be back with more of Corey's Pipeline Rankings tomorrow, getting into the top half of the top 32. You can follow us on YouTube at youtube.com slash at the Athletic Hockey Show. And right now you can get a one-year subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. We'll talk to you then.